And, and specifically as it relates to Christmas, it's, it's remembering that Christ came with much anticipation and it's celebrating that fact, but it's also looking forward to when he will come again. And I wonder if, I don't know, but I'm sure that before Jesus came in the manger, there were people who were thinking this. As, as the Israelites were under Roman rule and as they were, as they were held in, in, in captivity in, in a way and as they were, were not allowed the freedoms that they wanted to have, did they cry out, God, why aren't you fixing this? As they waited for the Messiah that they looked forward to every year at Passover, did they, did they think to themselves, I wonder why God isn't fixing this? And, and then I thought, how many times in my own life am I tempted to have this thought process? Each one of us have things in our lives, don't we? We have struggles and we have things that we have concerns about. And if we're not careful, we can slip into thinking God's not fixing this. Maybe it's something that's been chronic, something that's been in your life for a long time. Maybe it's a relationship that you just can't get to resolve no matter how hard you try. Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's a a situation with your housing, you know, But you're just wondering, God, why aren't you fixing this? And so, the newspaper, in many ways, puts in print what I think sometimes we think. Now, we understand there's things that need to happen politically. And that's why we have government. That's not what we do here. That's what happens with the government. Government is put in place by God to protect us. We get that. We understand that. And so there's decisions they need to make. And the most important thing we can do from here is pray for those people who are making those decisions of how best to protect us. But that's not going to fix the problem. You know, is it, think about it. God, God isn't going to fix this. He's going to destroy this and rebuild it. It's going to be new. It's going to be recreated. So there's aspects of this that no God isn't going to fix. But in the midst of the chaos comes hope. And that hope comes as a baby in the manger. Most unexpected, most unexpected, hope comes as a baby in the manger. So, where are you in this? As you stop to consider hope, and you consider the situation in your life. Have you, have you come to a point in your life where you've realized that 
Your sin has separated you from God. The most amazing thing, and we talked about it last week, the most amazing thing is that each one of us has been created by God to be in an intimate relationship with him. It's why you're here. But our sin breaks that. Our sin keeps us from that intimacy with God. And that's the thing that needs to be fixed. Because it's an eternal situation. You see, our sin will will separate us from God for eternity. That needs to be fixed. And that's what this Christmas hope is all about. It's what Jesus came for. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of, not of natural descent, nor of a husband's decision, a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, the only begotten Son, the Son of God who is at the Father's right hand has made him known. Paul says in Timothy, God is the blessed and holy ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see. That same God, magnificent, majestic, totally more than anything we could comprehend or understand, has made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Now listen, the exact representation of God does not mean he's a facsimile of God. It means he's the exact representation of God. You understand, the only one who's an exact exact representation of me is me. Right? No one else is an exact representation of me but me. Now Charlie's really close, but he's not an exact representation of me. Okay? And Jesus is God, the exact representation of God. And he is the visible expression of the thoughts of God, of the love of God revealed toward us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ came and died for us. Oh, man. 
So do you know Jesus? Do you, do you know Jesus? Have you come to a place in your life where you've, you've come face to face with the fact that the things that you've done have separated you from him? Have you come to a place where you've said, God, I understand that I'm a sinner. I understand that I'm separated from you. And I ask, I ask that you'd forgive me. And I ask that the, the death of Jesus Christ would pay the death penalty that I've earned. The separation from, from you that I've earned, I pray that that could be taken away because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you adopt me into your family? Would you, would you let me be born again as one of your children? See, we say sometimes, have you accepted Christ? But the big idea is, has he accepted you? Have you asked for forgiveness so that he could accept you as his own child? If you have not, oh, do it today. Do it now. Because one day, you will come before the Father. It's appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. Scripture tells us that because of Jesus, you can be declared not guilty. It says justified, declared not guilty. Now, if you have, if, if you have done that, then you need to be telling others this great news. Now we're going to take communion, and it's a special time. And we do this specifically when the children are in the room. So parents, you can talk to your kids about this. There's nothing more important for your child. Your child's single greatest need is to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It may seem important that they do math well and they play soccer good and they do ballet wonderfully, but listen, if they don't know Jesus, nothing more important than this. So this gives you an opportunity to talk to them because Scripture tells us that communion, it's not just for those who are members of Calvary. This is for anybody who's trusted Christ as their Savior. So if you've done that, please feel free to take this with us. If you haven't, do it now. Begin the relationship with God that you have been designed to have. Discover the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. If you have trusted him, as communion is shared, examine your heart. Are you in a good place with him? Is there any sin between you and him? One way to tell if you're in a good place with him, are you still really excited about the fact that Jesus is your Savior? If that's become boring to you, you need to be doing some work. <laughs> Communion is a time of, of celebration. It's a remembrance and oh, and Father, you know I use that word lightly, a celebration, but it's a celebration of our salvation recognizing the price that was paid. So as the men pass the bread, we'll do that in silence, as, we, as is our custom. 
so that you can, in your heart, see where you are with the Lord. Do business with him. He's waiting to do business with you. Amen. Everything he promises and more. As I release the children through grade four, I invite us to turn to Romans chapter five, where we're going to look a little bit more at this hope and this truth that in order for us to hold hope, we need to realize that hope holds us. Hope holds us. And such a powerful message for today and for our lives. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Kelly read them earlier for us, but I'd like to read them again here in your notes there or, or in your copy of God's Word. Romans 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Will you pray with me? Father, you have preserved this word for us and you've given us to us here. And today, as we, your children, look at this word, I pray that you would speak into our lives and into our hearts through your word. Pray that we'd go away from here changed, different, because we've been in the presence of the Holy Spirit illuminating this text for us. So shape us, Lord, into the men and women you've designed for us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So our big idea for today is that we hold hope when we realize that hope holds us. And we, we looked already before communion at this first point that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. And we expressed that and I shared that with you from, from John chapter one. But our text here, even as we, we read at the very end of chapter four, he was delivered over to death, Jesus, for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. And, and therefore, since we've been justified by faith. So it's this idea of the fact that we need to be declared right before God. And that's what the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ does for us, is it secures for us this ability to be declared righteous. Justification means that the righteousness of Christ is credited to our account so that God sees us just as if we had never sinned because our sin is credited to Christ's account. And so the two sides of the coin of justification. And we understand that, that that happens through Jesus Christ. And so he is, as Colossians says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. That our hope is Jesus Christ. And that hope is in us. Christ in you. If you've come to that point in your life where you've trusted Christ as your Savior, at that moment in time, Christ comes to dwell in you through, through the Holy Spirit. And Christ is in you. And hope 
fills you. And he is our hope. So again, at the risk of sounding redundant, have you grabbed onto that hope? Second point, we can rejoice in this hope. We can rejoice in this hope. And this, the sentence is clear. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, you understand in Scripture, hope is something different than, than what we've come to understand it to be. It's not like, I hope the Packers win. Full well knowing that only happens if there's some odd play at the end of the game. (laughs) But hope in Scripture is different than that. It's not some pie in the sky, wishful, no, 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 no. Hope is waiting for that which is absolutely certain. Hope is waiting for that which is absolutely certain. And so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, that has so many different levels to it. So the rejoicing comes in all different levels. Because at one level, you see, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit, guaranteeing that which is to come. Now, I don't know about you, but when I make a deposit in the bank, okay, it's not everything. You know, I need to make a deposit all the time in order to have enough, right? So a deposit is just a small part of what's waiting for us. And the Holy Spirit is given to us. And so have you ever been so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit in your life, by God in your life? Have you ever had a moment of such extreme peace that's come to you in the midst of circumstances that shouldn't bring peace? Have you ever been so overwhelmed with the presence of God in your life that it's taken your breath away? Thank you. And so as you think about that, That's just a deposit. That's just a deposit because, listen, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and mind cannot even begin to conceive what God has in store for those who love him. So what we've got waiting for us, oh, man, if this deposit is this good, I can't wait. How about you? You see, and so we rejoice in this hope. We rejoice in the fact that, yeah, this can't be fixed, but that doesn't need to be. And that's where we're going. And so we rejoice in that. And we rejoice in the fact that he hasn't left us alone here. He sent the comforter to be in us. This morning I was reading in Psalm 27. And the last two verses say this. I am still confident of this. I love David. I love reading the Psalms, reading David. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. Don't you love that? Listen, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And now listen, the deposit lets me see that here. And what's stored for me lets me know how much better it is there. 
said, already not yet aspect. I am confident I will see the goodness of the Lord. And I see it. I see it in you. I see it in the town when I go out into it. Do you? Do you see the goodness of the Lord? And listen, do you, do you rejoice in the hope of that glory? What does rejoicing in the hope of glory look like in me? And how is it radiating out, radiating out to a world that desperately needs that hope? The next thing we see is that this hope is certain. This hope is certain. It says because we know. It says because we know. And you see it there? Because we know. And what do we know? We know that there's going to be suffering. We know that there's suffering. Yay. Thank you. Great plan. Okay. But you see, it says here, it says, we rejoice in the hope of glory. Not only so, we rejoice, we rejoice in our sufferings. Not only do we rejoice in the hope of glory, not only do we rejoice in the fact that the Holy Spirit's in us and that we have heaven secure for us, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, it does not mean we rejoice that we suffer. It means we rejoice in the midst of our sufferings. Why? Because our suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Okay? Now, what does that look like for us, and how can we practically understand that? But having some problems with my shoulder, okay, and, it, and it's not working quite the way it should. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctor told me exactly what it was, and it's about this long, and I can't tell you what it is, okay? But he knows, and that's good for me. And so he took out a needle about this big around, about this long, and he gave me a shot in my arm, all right? And I'm like, cool, that's all there is to it? It was a little bit of suffering, but it wasn't intolerable. And he said, no, that's not it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you need to suffer. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, here. And he gave me this. All right? Any of you ever seen one of these? Yeah. Ah, right? This represents suffering. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just a little band. I mean, how much pain can a rubber band cause, Right? And it's like, okay, so you need to be doing these exercises every day. And what I've quickly learned about this is that this doesn't do me any good. In my pocket, I have to pull it out. And I have to use this. Okay, and there's a whole series of exercises that I need to do. And, and I would demonstrate them to you, but there was another doctor here this morning who pointed out to me I was doing them incorrectly. <laughs> like suffering couldn't get any worse. <laughs> See, my, my shoulder has caused me some suffering. Now, in the scheme of things, this isn't a big deal. We understand that but it's allowing us to have an illustration. It's caused me some suffering. There's some of you guys that are pretty tall that are like for me to hug you, and it's like, you know? And, and so I, I go to the doctor. But now I, I see I need, to, I need to get perseverance. See, I, I, I need to get perseverance. And in order for that to happen, 
need to work this thing out. And that, listen, see, hope, hope is what we all desperately long for. In the midst of situations that feel hopeless, in the midst of your situation that feels like God isn't fixing this, it's hope that we long for. And our sufferings can strengthen our hope. It doesn't strengthen what we hope in, but it strengthens our ability to rest in that hope because it it creates a perseverance for us. And it depends how I step into the suffering. If If I step into my suffering like this and I put that in my pocket and I walk away, I'm not gonna build any perseverance. And he's told me that then I would have to come back and get another shot. I think, well, that's not all bad. It's easier than the, right? But eventually that won't work anymore. And so how about, how about for you? How about for me? I, I, think, I think a lot of times we expect that, that our lives have gotten to the point where if we just get a shot, we'll be okay with God. So, you know, we'll drop by to church once a month or so. Or, or we'll swing by the building and, or we'll write a check to a charitable donation. Or, or we'll do something that really is just giving a shot. And we expect that that's going to build the perseverance we need to grow in our understanding and our hope of the Lord. But listen, that's putting, in, that's putting this thing in your pocket. And eventually the shots don't work anymore because the void just gets overwhelming. You need to build up. You need to persevere. You need to be involved. And in your suffering, you need to be seeing that holding on to hope is realizing that hope is holding you. In the midst of whatever you're going through, Jesus is holding you. The final thing. There's no shame in this hope. Our verse tells us hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. The love of God has poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's like this lavishing idea. It's like standing under a waterfall and just having it constantly pour over you. Never ending, pouring out of the Holy Spirit into our lives and hope doesn't disappoint us. Hope does not disappoint. At the end of the day, when we know and we know and we know that Jesus has secured heaven for us, we're not disappointed by that. Because, amen, John, because we have, we've come a new creation. Now, I had, I had an opportunity this past week to live this out in a powerful way. I was called and asked if I would go to, to a courtroom on Wednesday afternoon because there was going to be an adoption proceeding. How many of you have ever been part of an adoption proceeding? I want to tell you, if you want to be part of something special, man, we were out in the hallway, and there was the family and the adopted, the two children who were going to be adopted, and then family and friends in the hallway, and the hallway was filled with laughter and joy. 
And one of the lawyers came through and said to me, he said, you know, we love when adoptions are happening because this hallway is not usually a hallway of joy. Usually what happens outside the court in a family court is painful and hurtful. And so I went, and the prayer couldn't be part of the official record, so they asked me if i pray ahead of time, which I was glad to do. And so I prayed, and the, and the proceedings began. And the judge came out, and she's the family judge, one of them, I, I'm not sure, here in Walworth County. After the proceeding, I got a chance to talk to her and pray with her. She said, proceedings like this are pretty special. Because most times, what I'm dealing with is really bad. It's the bad stuff. It's families that are falling apart, families that are disintegrating. It's, do you have any idea the evil that we live with in this world? I mean, vile, evil things. And so as we came to this proceeding with John and Jasmine. And the two children that they're adopting, they've already adopted one, and this, these two children that they're adopting have experienced very hard things in their lives. Very hard. Things that no one should experience, let alone babies. And this judge had been the judge for the little girl in all the cases leading up to this. And so she knew the vile and filthy aspects of that. And so in this courtroom, John and Jasmine, they've had these kids as foster kids for three years and nine months. And Jasmine had vows written, I will be your mother. I am now officially your mother, and you are officially my children, and I love you, and you never have to wonder about that again. And John says to these children, I, I now I'm your real father, and you are my real children. I accept you, and I love you for exactly who you are, and I will lead you to know who God is. See, we get a glimpse of that in our being accepted by God, but to see that in the courtroom. And then the judge asked, what will your new names be? Because you see, now they get a chance to have new names. And Josh said, my new name is Joshua Adam Turner. And he smiled. And to the little girl, what will your new name be? This is a little girl who's experienced things that are terrible, hopeless. What will your new name be? My new name will be Hope. Hope Miriam Turner. Are you declaring, 
Are you declaring that since God has stepped into your life and accepted you as his child, you're saying, I got a new name written down in glory. I don't know what it is, but I hope it's hope. John and Jasmine represent for me what it's all about. No, not that every one of us need to be adoptive parents, although some of us are, are set out for that. And this family is. They'll tell you that's what Turners do. That's what Turners do. We, we extend our love out. But that's it. God has placed his hope inside of you so it can radiate out to a world that desperately needs that hope. How will that hope radiate from you? And how can you bring hope to someone who's in hopelessness? As the worship team comes up, I ask you to really think about that because Christmas is a wonderful time for us to do that. It allows us to come face to face with a baby in the manger who grows to take on, take on the cross all so that we can be right before God. So Lord, as we, as we sing now, as we sing this final song, I pray that you'd search our hearts. Prepare our hearts, Lord, for what waits for us as we walk outside these doors. Thank you for the hope you've placed in us. Thank you that we can rejoice in the hope of glory. Thank you that we can rejoice in the midst of our sufferings because we know that it just makes our hope even stronger. And thank you that hope does not disappoint us. Forgive us for the times that we walk around looking disappointed. Help us be overwhelmed by your hope. Please, Lord Jesus, I pray in your name.